MVP. 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 Right there. It's happened. What's going on, everybody? Hey, it's James from Offside Hockey Talk, bringing you another episode of Offside, proudly brought to you by our friends over at Boxing Rock Brewing Co. That's the puck off Lagerdale right there, showing it for everyone across the networks. We are on TikTok, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, you name it. We're there, and this will be everywhere for your listening pleasures later on. But one announcement right off the get-go that I've been teasing for a little while. The man sitting beside me. Welcome to the show, Mr. D4, Dylan Fournier. Going to be rocking the co-host seat for a little while. What's going on, my buddy? Not much. Just finished the awards. And not going to lie, what an award show. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this guy right here, you know, came out in his limited edition fashion, just taking all the big awards. Listen, I said it in the group chat for Six and the Six. This guy this year, the Rocket, the Lindsay, the Hart, and a first-team All-Star as Chris Weigel chimed in on the other side. Hey, you know, this guy right here, is he the GLOAT? Is he the GLOAT? Can we say he's the GLOAT without going to any second rounds? Does that even matter in this conversation? If you're speaking about greatest leaf of all time, <coughs> I I can't say it yet. I can't. Ooh, what holds I, you back? What is your trepidations of naming Austin Matthews the greatest leaf of all time? Because statistically, winning those three awards in one season, it has not been done. <coughs> it, <coughs> it may not have been done by Leaf, but in my eyes, I think it's more about uh the team trophies than the individual hardware at this point. Um, although Austin's, you know, he's been winning us, you know, said trophies in the month of June. Uh, I I think once a team gets clicking and uh, he still performs at a high level, I, I think that's when you say it is. All right, here, I'm going to, I'm going to counter that one. Wow. Right off the bat, me and you going toe to toe here. Um, Austin Matthews to me is the greatest leaf of all time. Why? Because a, he's done it at such a young age. B he's done it strictly as a maple leaf. He's not a come in maple leaf to win a trophy or get an award. He is a homegrown product, so to speak. We draft him first overall. I know that should have been no surprise to anyone that he is what he is, but at the same time, multiple now rocket Richard trophies, the heart and the Lindsay. Usually, if you win the Lindsay, you're not winning the heart. Or if you win the heart, you're not getting the Lindsay. Ask Connor McDavid. Seems to go that way for him. But Austin Matthews did pick up both of those pieces of hardware. So not only do the writers think he's the MVP, but his peers amongst the league think that he is the MVP as well. That speaks volumes because really, writers can go and be swayed any which way. We've seen it numerous times with awards. Uh, Look at Mr. Taylor Hall winning his heart trophy over Nathan McKinnon. I believe it was that year. We all know Max should have got it then and there. But this right here, when you win the Lindsay and the heart, you have everyone's respect. And that, to me, speaks volumes to what he is as a player and what people see him as a player. Now, I know you got to take the next step in the playoffs. You got to find that next gear. You got to get it done. Got all kinds of people saying, oh, you know what? Get past the first round. Well, hey, listen, Connor McDavid didn't get past the first round either. 
when he started winning awards. Now Austin Matthews is taking the steps and solidifying himself as a bona fide superstar. Not just a superstar, a bona fide must-see TV superstar, which is what he is now, winning these awards. And to me, who do you put above him as the greatest Leaf of all time? Who is your guy? Do you say Cujo because he got you what? To the second and third round? Do you go and say Ed Belfour? Are you saying Matt Sundin, Anderchuk? Are you saying Johnny Bauer, Frank Mahovlich? Who are you saying? Who is the guy that usurps him right now that in your mind you say he's no, he's got to get to this level to be the GOAT? Uh, I would uh, just any of the guys that have won the Stanley Cup, and I, I, I think it's truly a very hard trophy to win. And I know it takes a team. And I know I, I'm not I'm not bashing Matthews for any of his awards. Uh, I, I don't think Sundin did any of this. <laughs> I don't I don't think Doug Gilmore did any of this. No. But but I'd I'd like to see some some team uh awards come out like not a president's trophy. I don't want that. I I, I want, you know, a, a maybe a maybe at least a third round appearance. All right. Well, that segues us perfectly into the Toronto Maple Leafs and the playoffs. We haven't got to do a real show, just me and you together yet. So this is our first one here. I'll ask you, gut check time. Now that you've had plenty of time to digest and see where and what the Tampa Bay Lightning have become throughout this playoffs, what do you think of round one for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Do you think where Tampa is now and what they have been able to do against some pretty damn special teams, does it make the Leafs look that much better that in game six, They were an overtime goal away from taking out the reigning defending two-time Stanley Cup champions. I'm not going to lie. If you look at any of Tampa Bay's series right now, besides this one, I will say, I truly think that the first round was the most entertaining. I do kind of, I initially thought that Florida was going to shake them a little bit more than what they did. Uh, I mean, they ended up getting swept, but I I thought Toronto put enough out there to kind of, you know, slow down Tampa in order for Florida to kind of take advantage, but that didn't happen. And Tampa Bay is a very, very unique team. And I mean, they were broken up a little bit this year after their back to back. And they, they have proven that they are still at the top of the league. Now, Colorado in the finals right now does look very, very intimidating as well. And I truly think that in, in years to come, it's it's going to be down to four or five teams that are just battling out for the cup unless they get bounced in, in playoff rounds. Um, but w- what are your thoughts? Do you think that we were, you know, the best series so far? I think uh, other than right now, the Colorado Avalanche, I do think the Toronto Maple Leafs were the toughest task for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I know, you know, we're not here for, you know, moral victories, but the yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs earned the respect <clears throat> of John Cooper and the Tampa Bay Lightning. That was said that they yeah. were a very tough team. And in years past, they really haven't had that respect. They really haven't had 
that, hey, you guys were tough. Now, Brad Marchand made the quip a couple years ago, I think it was maybe three years ago now, that Toronto was their toughest task before they ran into St. Louis. But for me, I say the Toronto Maple Leafs this season showed what they can do, showed what that core can do. Austin Matthews scored. Mitch Marner got the, the monkey off his back, so to speak. You know, what was it, 99 or 100 games without a, a playoff goal or something like that. You know, just nuts. Just nuts. Whatever it was, it was a high number. You know, he yeah. finally scored. Willie Nylander can turn it on. You know, the thing that you need, people need to realize here is it's not freaking easy to win. And every single year, and we can keep saying, oh, the Leafs, you know, get stacked against the, the best team, whether it's Boston, whether it's Washington, which is a year when the Leafs first got in the playoffs. They probably shouldn't have won that series, but they played their asses off. And it raised the bar for Leafs fans, and I think it was kind of unfair to this team. Um, but, you know, we've taken Boston two times to seven. The Columbus one sucked. Montreal one yeah. sucked. Sucked. That just yeah. sucked. There's no other way to say it. Those two sucked. But I made a stat the other day, and you go back and check on Twitter. There's a player named Nathan McKinnon who had three first-round exits, three second-round exits, and three times in his tenure, they missed the playoffs. So now we all know where Nathan McKinnon is, and we all think Nathan McKinnon is a goddamn beast and one of the best players in the league. So I correlate that to the Maple Leafs with Austin Matthews. So now the next regular thing is to take the next step. So for me, I think Toronto definitely were the best team that Tampa faced until Colorado. I think they are the most complete team. And that's why I keep saying in our group chats, you have to find a way. I know you won't get them all, but you've got to run back most of this squad and yeah. sprinkle in some tinkering. Go get a Nick Paul. Go get somebody of that ilk that can just seemingly score at the big times because yep. that's kind of what they need. Pierre Ingvall looked like he was going to be that guy this season for me. He was striding good. He was great on the penalty kill. Ilya Mikheyev was chipping in. We'll talk about the contract ask from some of these guys here soon. But for me, I liked what the Maple Leafs brought. I was yep. not worried about it. You look through that team and you say, okay, what are their major deficiencies? Their major deficiencies on it were the penalty kill on five on three, I guess you could say in the playoffs. But really Speaking penalties, I guess, is number one. Yeah, it's being more disciplined. And I mean that really falls on the coaching staff. Yep. Right. I mean, if you see a guy having a rough night going to the box, and this was another thing that we battled about a lot of people. You look at them taking out Clifford and Simmons. Why did they do that? Well, Clifford took the big fiver, got mm -hmm. suspended for a game, didn't come back in the series. In game two, Simmons was on the constant parade to the penalty box. Yep. So how do you justify having those guys in? I know what they're supposed to bring in the playoffs, and I know that Tampa kept in Maroon and Perry to keep those things rolling. But you have to try to be smarter and minimize the risk, and that's what the Leafs tried to do. They tried to be too safe. I, I will say something. Like, if you look at Simmons and Clifford on the Leafs, Maroon and Perry are very different in how they are gritty. Like you see Perry right now, he's lighting it up in, in key moments and he's putting the puck in the net. That's something Simmons and Clifford can't do. 
we 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 need to find somebody like that. And like and you who said, who is begging to be a Maple Leaf when we signed Joe Thornton? Corey yeah. Perry wanted to be a Toronto Maple Leaf. He made it very well known. And just like we did with Mike Camilleri, we said no thanks. And Mike Camilleri went on to the Montreal Canadiens and did pretty damn well, if I don't recall correctly. So yep. here we go again, right? You got Corey Perry going to three Stanley Cup finals. Suck if you lost them all, but maybe if he dons the blue and white, he goes <laughs> and wins it. Marion really Hosa style. Yep. You know, but I, I agree with you. I agree with you. They bring it differently. They run it differently. Um, they get in your kitchen. They get in your face. They also know they're the master of cheap shots too. Absolutely. I mean, I was watching. I was watching the big rig last night. Man, he takes people to the corners. He doesn't just you know nudge and nudge. He took. Uh, I think it's new hook down in the corner, and I felt bad for that kid. And then Perry, you saw him up to his antics last night. He was like standing on Comfer's uh, ankle there until the refs told him to get off. So, uh, yes, you need somebody like Simmons and Clifford, but you need somebody of Perry and Maroon's caliber to do the what other the, Yeah, what can. the Leafs are looking for is they're looking for players who can do those dirty things, throw the dirty hits, be the grease balls that they are but also be productive at the same time. And that's what Corey Perry in the playoffs brings. Regular mm-hmm. season, Corey Perry. Eh, is he what even it scored is. 20 goals this, in this regular season, which isn't bad. No, no. So uh, it it's all about looking at the, you know, even the playoff uh, the playoff production. I mean, nobody predicted Nachushkin on the other side to be doing what oh, he's doing. Oh, man, that guy, that guy is going to get paid. There's a lot of people that are going to get paid, but I don't think there's enough salary for some of these people. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the guys that are on the other sides of the uh, the puzzle here that are not Maple Leafs. But let's talk about some contracts. Some some news trickled out today that uh, Ilya Mikheyev is apparently looking for between four and five million dollars per year on a contract. And for me, it's uh, glad you were a Maple Leaf for when you were a Maple Leaf, but that's going to price you out of town. Yep. Um, I like what he brings, and he played 53 games this season on a full season. He might have scored over 30 goals, but he's also shooting at 14%. So that is a little bit – actually, it's double what his usual shooting percentage is. So that tells me, are we getting the real snapshot here? Probably not. Um, He wanted a trade out of Toronto anyways. So this made a way of pricing himself out anyway. Yeah, he proved he can do – Stuff on the penalty kill. I think it was him, right? Yeah. He, oh, yeah, he, uh, he definitely right there he, for sure. Yeah. So, I I, I mean, he, he'll be a key player in uh, some other organization. But honestly, yeah, thank you. Thank you for being a Leaf. Uh, we will not let the door hit you on the way out, but good luck. Yeah, best of luck in your future endeavors. And then, of course, Jack Campbell, uh, a little bit of information on him. Apparently, he wants north of $5 million as well. I think that's a negotiation the Toronto Maple Leafs can definitely salvage. Um, you guys know all know me. Um, Dylan, you've seen it too. I've been on the the hype train of uh, you know Jack Campbell four years, 4.5 from way back in the middle of the season. That's the drum that I have been steadily beating. And I think they probably get it done at four years, 4.75. Uh, the Leafs concede a bit. Campbell gives back a bit. And they get it done. Because he's 30 years old. 
by the time the contract's done, he's 34. He hasn't been a regular starting goaltender in the NHL. So, and then also, what do the Leafs have in their system that they can say, oh, we could turn to this guy with confidence? It's not Shalgren. It's not Wool. It's not Petrozelli. It's not the Hope Baker winner. Yeah. You know? That's what I was going to say. McKay, that's his name. You know, we we don't have something to turn to. And if anybody says, oh, Billy, who's so? I don't know, man. That's if some what's in candies he's, and butts itself, right? He's going to be around the same, honestly. I At least in my eyes, I think. He, so he, what's the old saying, be. right? You, you dance with the devil you don't know, or do you do the dance with the devil you know? And well, right now it's the devil you know, for me anyway. It, it, well, how I see it is that uh, Jack loves playing here. Like, yes, he may take a little bit of a pay cut. He may not. This this last season was proof that he can handle some load management, but I truly think that, you know, you need to split a bit more games because of the injury that occurred in the season. Um, but, like, bringing in somebody like Huso, you don't know how he can handle the media in Toronto, and that's a big thing coming to Toronto. And Jack, Jack handles it with ease. So... I think something, I hope something gets done with soup, but I don't know. I, I don't know who else would come in as a starter. I don't know who else either. We need a little reset here. Hey, this is Offside Hockey Talk. You're listening to Across the Networks, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and of course, over on TikTok. Uh, we're brought to you by Boxing Rock Brewing Coast, Puck Off Lagerdale, the big beer for the big game. This is your host, James Roberts, of course, co-host right there, Mr. D4 over on the TikTok stream. Go over there, follow him, get on that one right now. Uh, shout out to everybody over on TikTok. Hey, if you're in there, you don't worry, we're not ignoring you. Uh, we are doing a live episode right now of Offside Hockey Talk. Let's get back into it. Yeah, Jack Campbell, for me, is the guy that you have to have. I mean, you can't go Vili Husso. Uh, you can't certainly go and think Matt Murray is going to be, you know, the guy that you're going to bring in, like, I, I see a lot of these names and I start shaking my head. It's like, well, why? Why? Why Why are we taking a step backwards? And why are we looking for a serious, expensive reclamation product? Um, the other one, too, is, uh, you know, Clark Monroe's been beating the, uh, the drum for Gibson, you know. And for me, can he be a good goaltender? Possibly. Yes. Possibly. Can he be a bad goaltender? Yes. And if he's the bad goaltender at over $6 million – for a long period of time, that is something the Leafs can't afford right now. Now, if yeah. the cap were to go where the cap was supposed to go, I don't even think we'd have any of these conversations. But, you know, got Pete chiming in that he likes that Clark likes hard as well. Yeah, good luck getting Carter Hart, a young goaltender yeah. that definitely, definitely can probably do some damage in the right situation. Now, now James, how how would you feel about a bridge deal in, in order for Campbell, you know, to perform for the next two, maybe two years. And then, you know, he gets his payday. He won't do it. You don't think so? He won't do it. He's 30 years old. There's too much, too much risk. in front of him for risk, for injury and other things. And you just talked about it where he was yeah. in injured both seasons. He's played for the Leafs. Any meaningful amount of games, he's been injured. You know, yeah. there's been injuries there. So then he takes a bridge deal and just per se, he blows out his hip. Yeah. Then he's done. Then he's lost it. This is his yeah. one chance to swing for a payday. And, you know, all the power to him. 
you know, but if you want to stay comfortable and play somewhere, you know, you can thrive and you know, that and the win. team in front of you, yeah, has, you know, proven success and, you know, albeit not winning the, uh, the first round, you know, I think Campbell's a certified starter. Yes, I do. I really do think he is a certified starter. Um, he was, I, he was up for Vesna at the begin after at the first half of the season. For me, it's Campbell and Shalgren or Campbell or Wool. Go with a cheaper backup. Pay your starter. Pay him for four years. Four years, 4.5. That's or 4.75. I'll up it a little bit. Um, that is that is what you need. And Campbell showed that he can battle. You know, and who knows what happens now when you bring in a goaltender coach that's going to be different than Briere, that'll allow yeah. Campbell to do maybe different things that he wasn't able to do. I know Briere really wanted guys to play through certain elements of pain and Freddie and Campbell didn't like that, you know, and that is something that I know for a fact, these guys wanted to be able to wheel it back and rest, but you know, it was, Oh, you can play through this. You can play through that. I've seen guys play through this and play through that. And really we've seen what happened with certain players. It did not bode well. So now you start and you look at it and you're like, "Hmm, maybe it'll be different with this new goaltending coach. But um, the other goaltender in town, too, talk of the town, Mr. Peter Morazic. Peter Morazic, sorry, guys. I always call him Peter Morazic. I don't know why. But anyways, that guy right there, put him in a can and fire him out of town. He's gone. He's gone. Whether they buy him out, whether they trade him, and I do think they will trade him. I do think he goes to probably Chicago or Arizona. Chicago is seeming more and more likely for me. Um, Do they have to add a sweetener? Maybe. I don't think they have to add too much. You look at what uh, Ben Bishop just went to Buffalo for as a captain. At least Mrazek can be a useful $3.8 million goaltender on a team that isn't going anywhere high Arizona. You know, use him for a couple seasons, have a warm body at ASU, and away you go. You know, it's yep. a win-win for everybody. But I don't know. What do you think? Is it going to be a buyout or is it going to be a trade for Mrazek? If you can't find a suitor like like the Ben Bishop trade, absolutely it's gonna be a buyout. But like honestly, to be honest, like he is kind of injury prone too. So I mean I I kind of lean towards the buyout because people might be like other teams might be afraid of the injuries is all I think. But the but the buyout doesn't it take a hit against our cap in a couple of years? Uh, it does right away, actually, just like the um, the Grabowski did for a while. But I don't think it's very much, right? I mean, yeah, it's like I don't know. whatever's left on his contract, you d- basically divide it in two or s- however many years, whatever. Yeah, it it'd be he's got two years left at three point eight. It would be I think four years or five years. Yeah. You'd have to pay him. I think it's like a million, one point four. Yeah, bio cost 1.4. Shout out to uh, Lucky Town Canada over on TikTok, uh, bringing all the uh, the keyboard knowledge right away. So I appreciate that. Uh, make sure you go toss a follow over there. Definitely uh, great to have him, Ryan Shotgun, here giving us some information. Um, yeah, so a buyout may not be the thing you want. You just got yeah. out from underneath uh, Phil Kessel's 1.2 mil. So, I mean, you'd want to be able to. Yeah, I, it, I would say trade then. If it's if it has trade and maybe add an asset, you know, it sucks that you would have to do that. But sometimes to get out of something that you've bungled yourself into, you know, and hey, for every bad deal that Kyle Dubas signed, remember, guys, there's a David Camp for a Michael Bunting 
that he has brought along or an Ilya Bushkin or a Jake Muzzin trade or a Jack Campbell between the pipes. So, you know, um, you know, I'm trying to say right now that Petr Mrazek will be out of town. Jack Campbell, I think, will be signed by the Maple Leafs. Um, you know, the guy just bought a puppy. Come on. Raise that, raise that also, puppy in Toronto. He also just got engaged. Hey, maybe she likes it here. You never know. You never maybe. know. Um, yeah, I, I just look I look down the line here, Dylan, and I say, what what do the Toronto Maple Leafs need for next season? What do they need to complete this puzzle a little bit more? I talked earlier about deficiencies. And to me, you bumped up your power play. Your power play looked great all season long. Your penalty kill was pretty damn good. I think top 10 in the league is never too bad. Um, but in the playoffs, you were just hugely undisciplined. And I'm thinking the Toronto Maple Leafs really need to go after not just veteran guys, but guys that can do some damage and do some things. And Nick Paul pops into my head. I uh, had a few others written down. Didn't bring the list with me. It's been a crazy evening over at the Roberts house. Um yeah, we got Tuesday night is cheer night, so both daughters are in cheer. So I'm at Not the cheer problem. gym all night. So they're going. We had the big nationals meeting today. They're going to nationals in Niagara Falls in April of next year. So it's just nuts. But uh, there's some guys like not even just available via via free agency. Look at trade or look at trades. A guy like yep. Alex DeBrincat that we pass over in the draft. Is there a Willie flip there? The Brinkett plays with a little bit more snarl, you know. But I got, I seen we need a D man and some tough forwards. <laughs> yep, we got breaking news over here by Pete the Heat. He wants to know is Sandine signing? Uh, Sandine will Sam will sign, Lily will sign, they'll find the deals. Uh, I, I could also see Sandine being used as a chip to as a as a trade piece if you need to. Uh, I think Lilligren kind of. Uh, outshined him this year, especially with us signing Geo. I think Lil- Lilligren and Geo play really well together. So that's the only exception I would have to that. But uh, I am looking at the list of uh, free agents here. Somebody like Frank Fitrano kind of pops out to me right now. Yeah, but you're looking at a forward that's it's high skill and not you want someone who's got a little skill and a little size, a little big riggish. And then again, like it's, it'll be hard. I like, I think it's forward depth that is the main focus, and obviously signing, um, Campbell at this point. Do you, th- do you think? Uh, I always butcher his last name, Nicholas. Uh, Wow, I always butcher it. De- Delorier, that's it. Delorier, yeah, that's a guy that was huge on the uh, the penalty penalty uh, train. Big on hits, big physicality, good fighter. Um, again, you look at what he's bringing to the complete table, though. Does he penalty kill? Does he do all no. those little things? Right, those are the things you have to look at, and that's why Absolutely. I keep going back to like you know what was their deficiencies, and the deficiencies for me was the the, you know, the physicality on the penalty kill. That's the problem for me. You know, you need that physicality in the playoffs on the penalty kill. That's where they got pushed around a little bit, a little bit by um, 
Oh, by Tampa. Sorry, Tampa. guys. I'm, I'm fizzling no, out here. But yeah, by Tampa. Um, but, um, you look down the list, hey, you know, like uh, you want to joke around a little bit, but I mean, we just got out from underneath the, the Phil Kessel hit, but man, Phil Kessel, third line, Phil Kessel, third line, bald head what, power. What's up, Ashton? Do you, do you think, what, what do you think Burkowski would be signing for? Andre Burkowski? Yeah. Uh, again, three and a half, three, three, which and isn't half. bad considering he just made 4.9. Uh, I really would not love a a domey situation. I don't like that thought at all. I know some people think that it's a match made in heaven, but I do not like it. How about you? Uh, I'm not crazy about the Max Domi situation. Um, you know, Domi's a guy that you give an inch, he'll take a mile. And he's got yeah. the attitude issue too, right? And the Leafs, we yeah. have chirpers and things like that, but we don't need a guy who takes dumb, unnecessary penalties. And that's something that Domi does do on a regular basis. And that would bite the Toronto Maple Leafs in the arts because what am I saying right now? We need to improve on that aspect of the game, you know, where it's penalty kills. Um, I think we need to grab ourselves a good defenseman, sign Jack Campbell, and try some of the young blood that we got in the system. I'm pumped to see what Matt Nyes can bring towards the end of the season. Yes. I think well, that then guy again, is a stud. what do you what do you fill that position out until until need be? Right, like well, you run it with a Robertson, you run it with a Cliffy, you run it with a Simi, you run it with an Anderson who's in the minors. You bring up Steves. You have lots of different options that you haven't I, tried. I like the. Uh... Like yeah, I don't know if I don't know if I like Simmons and 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 Cliffy there. Like yes, they bring the the you know grit factor, but like we said, like they don't bring the you know a little bit of grit, a little bit of offensive pressure type of thing. And that's you know that's well, why I was unless, looking unless at you're moving like, multiple contracts out the door here. Like unless you're firing well, a for one year, right? What's that? Simmons is still signed for one year, right? One more a year. Cliffy signed for two. Oh, Cliffy is signed for two. Damn. He's time. But they're but here's the thing. They are variable contracts. They can go to the market oh, yeah. and do not have impact your thing. Um everybody, there's a there's a player that I really wanted, and Clark knows this one. Um, and he re-signed for one more year in Dallas. I wanted Joe Pavelski. I thought Pavs wow. would be that snarly veteran. And everybody said, Oh my god, why do you want another aging veteran captain? Go look at his stats from last year. Okay, 30-plus goals. He's racking in the assist. He's still looking good. Um, I would have Joe Pavelski on the Leafs in a freaking heartbeat. An absolute 100%. Heartbeat. He was an all-star this year, dude. He was he was great. Yeah. He was literally the person that like shined in Dallas this year, especially even though... Uh, I mean, Sagan and Ben are there, but they didn't do much this year. No, you had Jason Robertson, who had a really good year. And uh, I believe Rupe Hintz was another one that had a good year. Um, but I think I would. I think all three of them played on the same line, which is a, a decent first liner. And I know Sagan was sidelined with an injury for most of the season, but still, it, 
Pav, but Pavs to me, like that's why I said 100%. Pavs would be a smart player to go grab. Um, but here's the thing, and okay, a lot of people shit on Kyle Dubas and apologize for the swear words, guys, but that's exactly what people do. Uh, there's Clarky chiming in now. Pavs was my boy, the guy that I chired for for sure. Um, listen, I will say a lot of people crap all over Kyle Dubas, but he pulls moves out of nowhere. Things you Absolutely. didn't see coming. Tell me you saw Jake Muzzin coming to this team or Jack Campbell or Ilya Labushkin, any of the moves you meet, or Mark Giordano and Blackwell, who was a spark plug. Yep. Okay. So he makes moves that people don't really see coming or don't have a way of thinking are going to happen, but they end yep. up happening. So now I'm looking, um, I'm looking at what's next. What is a team like Dallas doing? Are they rebuilding? Are they going to go for a run? Are they going to say, hey, we got Jake Ottinger, let's run the gamut, or can we switch some things around and get ourselves a Pavsy? Or who's the guy that we go get? But I think there are going to be corresponding moves for this team that sprinkle in around the core. Anybody who thinks we're making deep cuts here, it's not happening. I know, I know it's not happening, but I, I still would love that second overall pick to get to that Slavkowski kid, but <laughs> I know that's not happening. It's happening. All right, man. It, you, listen, if you want to put Mitchie Marner and, and Plus on a platter. No, no, no. Because that's probably what teams are going to ask for, and that's not even being facetious. You know, even, even that or you throw in Willie Nylander Plus. Willie Nylander yeah. dropping Emila your second round or first round or whatever you have, pick Plus to get to the second spot. And then, then maybe you might have a conversation. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's tough. There's I, I looked at the free agent list. There's not very many big guys. I would like to see. People might hate me for this. Kerfoot out of town to free up some cap space. You could slide in Nick Paul if you could convince him to come well, here. Blackwell yeah, plays a great, great Kerfoot esque. Uh, style. So Listen, what did I, what did I say about putting Blackwell up with uh, Tavares and Nylander? Because he's a digger. He, he's a guy that goes and fights and battles and go, goes and gets the puck. He does what Willie won't do, so I wouldn't be bad on that line. But I mean, um, the problem I have with getting rid of Kerfoot, okay, he's got the foot speed, penalty killing. We're talking about making the penalty killing better. He's, he's probably one of the better penalty killers we have in terms of foot speed, in terms of things. But I guess $3.5 million is a, is a thing that you really have to try to get around. A lot of people bashing on the, the JT signing here across the networks that we're on. Um, listen, if JT becomes a winger, I'm scared of the Matthews, Marner, JT line uh, 100%. Uh, does that mean we have to go find a de facto number one, number two center? Sure, bring Nazem Kadri back. Let's go um, <laughs> run the gambit. We'll put we'll put sticks in net. That's all we need to do. You know, let's go wild up front. Let's just roll it. Bring in Bergeron I, too. I, PK Subban <laughs> on the back end. We got uh, this. All on league min contracts, guys. Everybody's coming to Toronto. It's finally happening. It's it's too it's too bad we're not the Yankees and we you know. It, we if we were them we could do that but you know we would be the yankees you know why because if there's a luxury tax the Leafs would be able to dip the hell into it as much as they want you know 100 it would happen so much that it would be unfair them the rangers any big market money team um but yeah i mean if some what's and candies and butts all right let's just do a little rapid fire here 
Uh, Bruce Cassidy, what was your initial gut reaction there to him being fired by the Bruins, hired by the Vegas Golden Knights, and not really saying too much about it, but you can tell he was pretty pissed. If I was him, I may or may not be doing the same exact thing, but to me, that's a stab in the back from the Bruins. And, you know, he moved on to a, a team that, you know, he could he could teach very well over in Vegas. And, uh, you know, they're lucky he didn't go to Detroit where he could literally probably stomp them in a couple of years. So, Well, here, here's what it is for me. We, we talk about the Bruins. And what's one thing that we always talk about with them and what they've done? Um, it's culture. They have yeah. the Bruins culture. The Bruins culture is this big, enormous thing that it's the way the Bruins do it. They just broke that. They just broke that. Sweeney didn't have to say that Cassidy was safe. He didn't have to say anything. He could have just said, we're reviewing all options. Everything is on the table. Those are the easiest carte blanche answers you can give that are just vanilla and keeps you out of trouble. But instead he said, hey, Cassidy's safe. So then, of course, Cassidy's going to be pissed. I heard a rumor that uh, it was on spitting chicklets. Uh, of course, most of my sources are from there, but um, <laughs> up your sources, um, bro. <laughs> um, apparently, uh, Sweeney was okay with Cassidy, and uh, what's his favorite? Oh my god, I can't even think. I just had his name. Um, Jacobs, the the president there, uh, or hockey ops there in Boston. Uh, Cam Neely. Neely. Cam Neely. Uh, was not a fan of him, and that's why it happened that way. So I yeah. honestly would have rather kicked Sweeney. He hasn't done much there. But I don't really care. I'm not a Boston Bruin fan. <laughs> well, listen, I just think it's a, a shitty thing to do to a guy yeah, who's won you so much. And I really do think it breaks the culture because right after that, what is it now? David Pasternak perhaps wanting out the door. Um, and then you have Patrice Bergeron wanting to go. So is yeah. this the, the crumble of the Bruins right here? Tuka Rask is now gone. You know, I'd love I'd love it to be the crumble of the Boston Bruins, honestly. But <laughs> like you you don't know what type of relationship those players had with Cassidy, and that honestly could be the biggest impact on what this team is heading towards. No, certainly. Well, then another move there made um just very recently, obviously, Rick Bonus from right here in beautiful Nova Scotia got to do a wedding at his house. Beautiful house, by the way, Rick. Love it. I uh, hope to have you on the show now that you're not coaching in the NHL. Still have your number, by the way. Um, yeah, but Mr. Um, Pete DeBoer goes down to the Dallas Stars and uh, is now the head coach there. Uh, we just talked a moment ago about them maybe ripping it down or doing or moving in a different direction. They have players they have to pay. Robertson, Rupa Hintz, all kinds of different young players that are looking for new fresh deals. John Klingberg's a UFA. You just brought back Mr. Uh, Joe Pavelski. You also have the fact that you have Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn that are not the players they used to be, banged up and injured a lot. Um, what does Pete DeBoer bring there and what can he do um, cause obviously Vegas churned them, chewed them up and spin them out just like they do everything else. Um, looking at this, I, I, I don't know if you see this trend necessarily, but I think Pete DeBoer is a more veteran 
like a, a teaching coach. Like you look at San Jose, yeah. right? You look at Vegas, which was filled with veterans. And now you look at Dallas and Dallas, although they do have young talent there in Robertson and Hintz, um, they do have a lot of veterans there. Like they brought in um, Suter last year. They have a, a very old back end besides Heiskanen. I, I truly think this could be a, a great fit for them. Um, but who knows, you know, like they, they could be heading in a totally separate direction than uh, I think. Yeah, no, I can see it. Just crazy. It's just crazy, man. Um, you look at these co- it's coaching carousel, really. And then the mm-hmm. big shocking one. One, It's not shocking because he fits the mold of where he went, but it's just shocking that he's got another NHL coaching job with all of the hoopla that surrounds John Tortorella. Uh, but I did say this is a guy that on a very short shelf life can ingrain things into players and really shock a system and get guys going. Um, but torts to me, man, it's just, you look at him and you say, okay, you're going into kind of a fragile environment in Philadelphia, which is weird to say about the bruising flyers, but they don't know how to win. They don't know how to put it together. The egos, everything that's gone on. You've heard about the locker room, bringing in this guy to change the culture, bringing in that guy, changing the coach. And Alain Vigneault was told to calm down and change his tactics, and he didn't, and he was fired, et cetera, et cetera. John Tortorella doesn't give a shit about your feelings. He's going to go in there and tell you you're going to play hockey this way, and this is the way we do it. And if you don't like it, you're not going to play. It doesn't matter what the name is on the back of your sweater. It's the logo in the front that he cares about, and you're going to play for that team the way that he wants you to. I'm wondering, is this good for that flyer squad that is also, and Torch is not known for using young guys that are trying to bring in the Brinks and the Yorks and all these young guys that are trying to get into this roster. They're trying to meld those guys in. Is he the guy to do that? I look at this as either they're trying to bring back the old Philadelphia Flyers (laughs) grit or like, honestly, this could be the rise or the fall of, of the Philadelphia Flyers, man. It's, well, they can't fall much further. They, you know, they haven't made the playoffs how many years now? It's um, just two in a row. Well, only two. Well, it feels like a lot longer, just the way they've. Gone. Well, they they had this consistent back and forth for I, I want to say eight years in a row. I could be very wrong on that stat, but it was like they missed, they they got in, they missed, they got in, they missed, they got in, and I think this was since they've been to the finals. So, you know, maybe they had right back up into the playoffs and maybe stay at that pace because torts will instill a a, a culture where this is how you play and this is the only way I want you to play. But I don't know how I feel about those young guys trying to uh, come into the lineup. That's the problem that I have because I I, I talk a lot with uh, Dan Green uh, the machine over, he does the, uh, the flyer and ice podcast. And we talk a lot about, you know, what's going to happen there. And he talked about the flyers last year towards the tail end, wanting to bring in the young guys, wanting to get them in there. And those guys, no offense, they're young. 
Their egos are fragile. Everything's fragile there. Yeah. You know, you really got to kind of coddle them with kid gloves, kind of like Babcock did the first year with all the young guys here in Toronto. He did coddle them for what everyone says towards the end. Maybe he was a dick, but he did coddle them. Lou Lamorello did the same thing. No media, no pressure. You know, you're not veterans here. You guys go do your thing and we'll take care of everything around the team. But uh, yeah, with torts, it's going to be a different story. Um, what are you feeling right now? We'll wrap this up with the Stanley Cup final. Uh, what do you think here? Obviously, 2-1 now. Uh, we got an overtime win. We got a 7 nothing win. We got a big win by Tampa. Is it over? What's happening there? Is it going to be um, abs in five? I'd say four, but uh, we don't have that option right now. Um, I, th- I have a strange feeling that whoever wins game number four is going to win the series. I think you got a strange feeling because of who's ever beside you in the room, but uh, there's nobody here. <laughs> you're looking beside you and laughing. I don't know, man. I'm just honestly, I'm just, I'm, I'm just thinking. You you look at Vasilevsky, and if he catches fire, it's done. It's over with. Um, you also have to remember, Tampa Bay can put the puck in the net just as much as Colorado, and they can run up the score just as much. And then you look at their goaltending, and Vasilevsky is the only one that stands out to me. Kemper is not reliable. Although Vasilevsky should have gotten pulled in in that 7-0 win, he didn't want to because he he wants to learn how these players play. The longer this series goes on, it, the better Vasilevsky's going to play because he's 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 learning them. Man, they only played twice this this season, so he's still learning how how these guys shoot on him. So, what happened in Game One against Toronto? They lost. Are the the, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning were shelled five nothing, and yeah. we all tap danced for joy because we thought, "Holy Hannah, we got lightning in a bottle." Pun intended. The, the only series that they didn't lose in game one was the Florida series. Well, I, I had the stat, you know, Toronto and still is the only team that had Tampa down multiple times. Yep. They had them down in a series three times. Are the Avs going to be the ones to end it? I think the Avs take this in five. I do. I think it's in five. I think Kadri comes back. I think he just comes in with a world of steam wanting to put this team on his back. And I think that takes away from people defending Nathan McKinnon and Nathan McKinnon out there for hours, just perfecting his shot. That's a pro's pro. That's a, that's a Patrice Bergeron kind of move, you know, being out there and just working on your craft. Tell me you're not going to see a different version of Nate tomorrow night. Tell me you're not going to see a fired-up Kadri when he gets in there in game four or five. It's going to happen. And this I, team, I, the Avs are going to win it. That's it. I see Kadri getting fired up, but if that hand is still banged up, I don't know how well he will do, but he will He will torture the other side. Um, I do honestly look – most games, at least – of what I've watched. I see McKinnon as another McDavid and it's kind of scary to say he skates up, up and down the ice just as fast as McDavid. Um, 
I put out a poll. Everybody's uh, on my TikTok. Everybody's saying Colorado. I'm still riding the boat of Tampa Bay. Not gonna lie, and I'm probably I'm probably gonna be so wrong. And I love to be wrong. Listen, but I can't. I can't. You know, uh, I was very excited for the three peat. I wanted the three peat. I thought it was a cool thing. Oh, look at you go! Look at you go! I can't um, stare in his eyes and tell him no, <laughs> especially when he's out on the ice. Listen, my buddy, I'm in Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia. Nathan McKinnon, stand up. We need to see the Stanley Cup come back here. Okay, it hasn't made its like, semi-annual regular visit, so we need a cup to come down the road. We've had three from Crosby. Now we need Mr. McKinnon to come through with a couple. So, um, you know what? Next year, it'll be the Avs and Leafs in the final, and we'll be cheering for a blue and white team to win it for sure. Just not this year, buddy. <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't mind Colorado winning because Kadri might bring it to London for me. So There I'm, you go. I'm there happy either go. way. All right. Well, we got an Avs fan, a Tampa fan, I guess. That's where we're wrapping it tonight. So you will see myself. You'll see Mr. D4, Dylan Fournier. Over on the TikTok and the Twitter, wherever you got to follow them, follow them. And this show here is back. We're rolling. We'll be going back into the Sundays. So it'll be the, uh, what do we call them there? I can't even remember off the top of my head. We were calling them the the Leafs, the weekender there for the Leafs. So it'll now just be the weekender because the Leafs aren't in. We'll do something like a midweek meltdown, have two shows. We'll have great guests throughout the summer, all brought to you by our friends over at Boxing Rock Brewing Co., the big beer for the big game. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk. 